I did not meet our guests tonight until this past Wednesday. Um, I teach at Christian Heritage School, and my four kids go there. And at chapel for the junior high and high school, I got to meet the hunters. And if you guys want to come on up, um, we're going to get to, you guys want to scoot just a little over to the side. And um, in the middle, I have to admit, in the middle of your first of the junior high chapel, which was the first one, I sent a text to Pastor Tony and to our children's director, and I said, we can we, could we have this guy come? So, and they both unanimously said, yes, of course. And, um, and so Tony made the call and I'm so glad that it worked out in your schedule for you to get to, to be here. I know you're not in, you don't have a ton of time that you get to spend doing this. So we're glad that you, that we got to take one of those slots. So we're really grateful. Instead of me telling you about them, I'm going to let them tell you about themselves. But if you guys would welcome the hunters. Well, I just feel like I walked into a little piece of heaven here. This is a beautiful place, and it's so happy. And thank you so much for having us. Um, We moved to Namibia in 1997, and before we moved, Bill and Deborah Gilcrease had a a sending off fundraising party for us, and uh, they've always been in touch with us about what we do because they love Africa, too, and... uh, I never forget about them because they're special people. Well, um, we have a school with 120 children, and it's a special place. And I would just like to give you uh, an invitation to come and visit us because the children are amazing, and they know God. We're introducing them to Jesus, and their lives are really changing. So these kids are going to be the future of Namibia. So I'm going to... Okay, I've got a mic. They got me mic'd. Well, we used to um, teach at Christian Heritage. I was uh, head of the Bible and history <laughs> and taught literature and physical science and biology and anything else that nobody showed up to teach that year. So that's how I got my job assignment. Um, so it's just, it's great to be back in Tyler. And... Uh, so it was, and we didn't have a whole lot of things set up. We rolled in, and we've had a difficult year. We're going to talk about difficult times tonight. And uh, it's been a difficult year for us, and as we've come through that, we've learned a lot. God teaches us through hard times, doesn't he? And uh, so I hadn't, didn't have um, every Sunday and morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday night set up. So when uh, when I was asked to, come and do children's church tonight. I said, tell you what, I'll do the whole church. So that's just me. I ask money, people for money in elevators. So I, uh, I, I raise the money for Community Hope. So if you're interested in having the kid, one of the kids write you three times a year, that's one of the perks. Um, look at one of these cards that we've got. These, uh, these cards that we've got on the table tonight are my new kids that are coming in to grade one next year. We don't have kindergarten in Namibia, so they come straight out of preschool. It's six years old, and they come into our grade one. And uh, they come in January, so that's when our school year starts. And so we go from January to Thanksgiving, and then all the teachers are thankful that school is over for a few weeks. And, uh, but we'll be going back to Namibia at the end of December. Uh, my oldest son decided after he finished his cardiology fellowship at uh, Hopkins, he decided 
that he had been away from us too long. So he moved to Namibia, took a job as head of internal medicine and physiology at the medical school, and he is called to raise up and train doctors. So this is exciting. Um, he also graduated here from Christian Heritage. And uh, we've got four kids in Madison, Wisconsin. I don't know why they moved up there, but they, that's where they all live. And so we'll be traveling around and visiting different ones of them and our grandkids while we're here in the state. So pray for us. And I got this funny thing sticking on my ear. I'm part bionic tonight. I got thing that makes my voice louder, makes my eyes work. I've got hearing aids. You know, I'm getting more and more replacement parts. Um, in the book of Daniel, in chapter 3, we've got the story about the fiery furnace and the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you've got this great um, story about them standing up in front of the king and saying, no, O king, we're not going to bow down and worship your image. Now, how many of you kids have ever seen the Veggie Tales? one about the bunny? The bunny, the bunny, we love the bunny. Well, that's the story, right? It's just great. I couldn't believe it. And then apparently somebody, a bunch of parents got mad that they're teaching kids to worship bunnies on Veggie Tales, and they pulled it but you can still get the old one on YouTube, kids. And so (laughs) censorship just doesn't work in America. And so it's just a a great story. And as as they were thrown into the furnace, some amazing things happened to them, okay? And, but one of the things that happened is the guys that threw them into the furnace died. Now I put my pottery into the furnace. When I make it, after I make it on the potter's wheel, we're going to do that too. I take the the clay pots uh, that are just dry clay and I put them in the furnace in a, in a kiln and I cook them. It takes me about 48 hours to get them to temperature and they we heat them up and I use wood. And uh, I use gas and oil to start it, but then I throw wood because wood gives a certain type of quality to the fire. And then I throw salt in, and the salt glazes it, but it goes all the way to 2,400 degrees Fahrenheit. It's hot enough. It's so hot that you got to wear like welding glasses to look in the kiln. And it changes the pot. There's a transformation that takes place in the clay, it's changed from something temporal to something eternal. These pots will be around when Jesus comes back. They may be broken, but the pieces of them will still be here. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the ways we date ancient civilizations. I was in Jerusalem in the year 2000, and I took uh, the class I was teaching. We went out the potsherd gate, that which is the dung gate. And we went out, and I did my lecture out there looking across the valley of Ben-Hinnom to the potter's field. And as I looked down, there's all these broken pots because it's the potsherd gate, all sorts of broken pieces of pottery. So pots last a long time. And our lives and our reputations 
last a long time, don't they? And so God wants to work in us. Clay, I buy clay from clay stores. That is not where people during Jesus' time and before, and for many years, got clay. They had to go dig it out of the ground. And in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8, it says this. It says, but now, O Lord, you are our Father. I don't know if that we're using the same version, but this is the one I memorized. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter, and each of us, each one of us, is the work of your hand. Now, there's different scriptures in the Bible. I started making pottery in 1968, right out of high school, and have been doing it ever since. So next year, I'll be making, I've been making pottery for 50 years. So we're going to do a big show about <laughs> see if I can raise more money for Community Hope School. But it's a, it's a celebration. But God takes our lives and he shapes us. Now what is God trying to do with you? All right? Well, he's got a plan. When I, when I take this pot, see, and there it is, that's me, see, and I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror. That's what I look like more and more and more. I, that's what I look like. <laughs> and when God looks at us, at us, what does he see? He doesn't just see you. You know what he sees? He sees himself. Because we're made in his image. We have a mind. We have a will. We have emotions. We're made in the image of God. And in Romans 8, 28, God talks about the purpose that he calls us to. It says that God works all things together for good. Not just some things, but all things together for good. To those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, what is God's purpose in your life? Well, this is why we go to Bible school. We learn to read the next verse. It's called context. In Romans 8, 29, it says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined that we would be conformed to the image of his Son. So that's interesting. We're made in the image of God, but God still needs to shape our character to be like him. This... This clay has got everything it needs except to change the temperature to become a pot like this. And so God wants to take us and he wants to shape us and he wants to, to, to work in our lives. And one of the things that I do, <laughs> this isn't my concrete table that I work on. So every now and then I got to do this, I got to look and make sure I'm not about to knock everything off onto the kids. Yeah, it happens. I had three kids. I got trapped under the table. We had to get the fire, pull the firemen in and pull them up and, you know, the cranes and the whole thing. It was terrible. <laughs> They're backing up. <laughs> this is called wedging. And uh, you saw me doing it there in my studio in Namibia. And it's, uh, it's a process that when you, when you make the clay, you know, you, you go out and you dig the clay up out of the ground, and then you bring it back and you crush it. 
and you crush it and you crush it until you can see all the little rocks and the impurities and anything in it that shouldn't be in it. And then you sift it and then you begin to mix it with water and you, and you, and you, you mix it with water and you begin to do this to it with your feet. And you get that clay all to where it's the same texture and the same um, quality. So it's the same all the way through. Because God's really concerned that when people look at us on the outside, what's coming out is what's on the inside. Not just, we're not like the Pharisees. We're not whitewashed sepulchers. And so God wants us to build, he wants to build character, his character in our life. And then he puts the clay away and you let it age and you let it grow and you let the the qualities in the clay develop. And as those qualities develop, the clay becomes more and more shapeable on the potter's wheel. And then the potter takes it out and he tests it to see if it's ready to use. And when it is, he puts it on the potter's wheel. And he begins to shape it. Now, I know at Christian Heritage School, we can teach about creation. But a lot of public schools, they don't let you do that. And so I've designed a special lecture for public schools in America. It's about evolution. And what we do is I go into the class and I put this on the wheel, and we watch this piece of clay evolve into a pot. (laughs) It's a really long lecture. (laughs) Now what do you guys think? Is that ever gonna evolve into a pot? Well, they tell us it does. I'm not quite sure why. All those smart people. But, let me move this so folks can see it over there. Um, God is the one. Now, I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he did it quick or it took him a long time. But however he did it, he is the one that did it. And as he does work in our lives, God takes and begins to pour his spirit over us because otherwise the pressure would destroy us. And it says in Hebrews, it says, my son, don't despise the discipline of the Lord or faint when you're reproved by him for he whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And as God takes and begins to shape our lives, he begins to get us into the very center of his will. And, uh, just like I try to get this pot, this clay, in the center of the potter's wheel. And I work it up and down because it's easy to get the clay centered on the outside, but getting it centered all the way through is something else again. So, there we go. Am I done? I'm not. Why? What's wrong with it? Why isn't it not a pot? It what? 
You gotta gotta put it in the oven definitely, but if we put this in the oven, it would blow up. But why is this not a pot? Yeah? Have to shape it, but what doesn't it have? What do pots have that this doesn't have? A hole in the middle of it, and that's because it's full of itself, like me, (laughs) and maybe some of the rest of us. So what does God want to do? God wants to work on the inside, not just on the outside, okay? Jesus is Lord over everybody's life, but he's only Lord in the lives of believers. Now once this whole plate, it came off and it sliced off a little kid's head, right Oh, it was it was terrible. This is a really dangerous lecture. You guys got to be pay attention. Don't drift off now. <laughs> you think it hasn't come off before when I'm doing this? So this is not true. Just getting it stuck on here is hard. <laughs> All right, John. There we go. No. So the inside is when we ask Jesus to come in to our lives and begin to push those things that we love so much out of the center. I was thinking of this as we talked tonight, as we were singing tonight, that we only love God. We only worship him. Well, I love ice cream, too. And Red Hot Blues, that's the kind of blue corn chip we don't get in Namibia. So I love Mexican food. Can't get that either. But what are the things at the center of our lives that we love more than Jesus? I don't know whether it's your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Uh, the baseball game starts at 7 o'clock tonight. That's one thing. You know, I, love, <laughs> I like to watch the Dodgers play. They're getting clobbered by the Astros. So what do we love? What are the idols in our life like Nebuchadnezzar built? A great big idol, and he wanted us to worship it. But God only wants us to worship him. And when we do, and he's in the center of our life, when the pressure comes. It causes growth instead of destruction. And that's what God wants to do. And that's one of the things that he's able to do when we make him Lord is that no matter how hard it gets, as we look to him, he's able to be the one that's forming and shaping his character in our lives. You can see the, you can actually see the fingerprints or the finger marks in the throwing rings as I touch it as I work on it and as I stretch it out. 
And one of the things about our lives is that we don't live them in a vacuum. And other people can see how we respond to hard times. And as we look to God, people can see that we're doing that. And other people recognize and see the work of God in your life. You don't have to just tell people about it. That's fine. But it's, doesn't, it's not very effective if they can't see God's handiwork in your life. So it, it, it strengthens your witness if you're letting Jesus be in control. Now, what kind of pot would Jesus have been? Well, I'll always make a picture when I demonstrate because pictures represent service. And as God builds his character on our lives, it's the character of a servant. Your pastor wouldn't be a very good pastor if he wasn't a servant leader. If it was all about him, nobody would be here tonight. People are following him and listening to him because he's demonstrating the life of Christ. And that's what we're supposed to do. And as God pours his life into you, you could, like Karen did with that pitcher full of milk, she was going around and she was serving the other kids at the school. She was pouring God's love and God's life in food into the lives of those other children. So, this pot isn't finished. It's not even close to finished. I've got to trim the bottom of it. I've got to add a handle on it. All of these things have to be done later. When it's finally dry, and it can take a couple of weeks to dry, and I put it in the pottery oven, it's got to be fired. And uh, when you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went through this whole process. It wasn't like they just, somebody grabbed them. They were ready for the fire. And I think that's the challenge tonight. As we walk in, the, in our lives and in First uh, Peter, Peter 4, 12, it says, it talks about the fiery trials. You know, are we ready for the fiery trials? And it says, uh, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. We are going, it says that um, another scripture talks about that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. This is not going to be an easy time. And we're in a war. We're in a war of ideas. We're in a war of a spiritual war with forces of darkness around us trying to destroy us. The devil is not happy that we're meeting here tonight. He's not happy that you're going to go to work and, uh, and school and live the life of Christ. You know, it talks about don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Well, we call ourselves Christians. So we better be careful about how we're representing Christ. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they got up in front of King Nebuchadnezzar, he said, I'm going to give you one more chance. We're going to play. We're going to get the band up here again. We're going to play the music. And then you can bow down at my golden image. 
And they said to him, you know, O king, we are not going to do that. Oh, he was angry. And, uh, and they said, our God whom we serve can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down and worship you, O king. And he was so mad, he like manifested demonic faces. He said his, the countenance of his face was changed. He was so angry. And he ordered these great big guys and they came and they grabbed him and they drugged these three children and they threw them into the fire that had been heated 10 times hotter than normal. And as they, they did that, they went into the fire and everybody watched just to send the guys that threw them in were killed. It was so hot. And then they looked, and Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fire, and he looks in there, and he says, I see four men. How many? He goes, how many people did we throw in there? And they said, three. He said, but I see four men walking around in the fire. And the fourth is like unto the Son of God. It's in the fire where we meet Christ. It's not just in the, it's not at the party. It's in the fire. It's in the difficult times. It's, 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 uh, it's when the rubber meets the road. About 35 years ago, my little, my daughter Briar Rose was born. And uh, we were going to call her Rebecca Jane. And when she was born, I was holding her in my hands and God said to me, John, her name is Briar Rose. And I thought, okay. Now, Briar Rose is the name of Princess Sleeping Beauty. And two days later, she died in my arms. She was born with a bad heart. And that was a fire. People say, are you having a hard time? I said, no, I'm not having a hard time. I had a hard time. I said, so in perspective, no, I'm not having a hard time. But that was one of the times when I've been closest to the Lord. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And God drew me close to him during that time. And I believe as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as we walk into the fire, that's where we're going to meet Jesus. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he cried out. He said, you guys come out of there. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in there having a worship time with the king of kings and the Lord of lords, I don't know if I want to listen to this earthly king. I was surprised they came out. But they did. They came out and what was burned? What about them got burned up? They looked at him and none of their clothes were burned. Their beards weren't burned off. And you've seen these Jewish guys, they got these great big beards, you know. I used to have one. But I'm not a hipster anymore, so I, I, you know, I don't do the whole beard thing. And mine's white now. If I grow up, I'm just going to look like Santa Claus. And even Nebuchadnezzar recognized that God had saved them. He said, there's no other God 
that could do anything like this. So he, the king, had an encounter with Jesus. And then he said, if anybody harms any of these people, we will destroy their homes. So even the civil liberty was brought to the whole community of Jewish believers there in Babylon for the 70 years that they were there because these three men were prepared for the fire and they were obedient to God and they didn't compromise when they encountered it. And that's really what God has called us to do in a, in a wicked and perverse generation that we walk in we're to walk as lights in the world, as testimonies of the lamp that on a set on a hill that isn't hidden. We're not to blow our own horn, but we're to listen to God and to walk obediently. And if it's through the fire, it's through the fire. And the result is uh, something really eternal, something that will last and be a testimony forever. In 1536, this is Reformation weekend, Reformation Sunday is tomorrow, William Tyndall was burned at the stake because he translated the Bible into English, of all things. And we all, most of our Bibles today are still based off of the Tyndall. Well, many of the more Traditional Bibles are based off of the Tyndall translation. About 80% of uh, the King James and other Bibles are from the Tyndall translation. Wycliffe, when he, uh, they, they couldn't kill Wycliffe, so later they dug his bones up and they burned him and threw him into the ocean. And so, you know, if they don't get you now, they're going to get you later. <laughs> so, it's a time to celebrate the reformation of what God has done in the earth and bringing his name and his word back into the center of what it's supposed to be as a guide for life and living. So thank you. God bless you guys.